Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Some of us, like myself, we were serving God in our homes because we didn't know where else to go. I used to visit churches everywhere, and they were nice. But I have a really radical relationship with God. And when I went to most places, I had to just kind of like keep it together. Can't raise my hands, can't shout, can't express. And I would go home and cry. Because at home, I just had this really wild relationship with the Lord. And I could sit there and read scriptures for hours. If you don't believe me, jump in one of my Facebook Lives. And I will read the Bible. I literally get on Facebook Live just to read the Bible to people. And I felt that the Lord was telling me that today. He's like, can I, can I speak through my word? Not necessarily through your interpretation of my word, but can you just read my word? And that's kind of what I want to do. I just want to share about the sweetness of the word. You know, the word, the scripture says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Um, the word is a person, not a book. When you understand that the word is a person and that the book is the letters that person wrote to you from eternity. He literally, I, I've envisioned the king sitting in his heavenly throne room writing letters. And then he like, I've seen him like making uh, paper planes and just sending them in from eternity into time, right? And they enter time and somehow people have gathered a collection. Some people just have it in their house as intimate letters they got. I got other letters that God has sent me through people, through dreams, through visions, through, oh my God, he speaks in every way possible. If you just simply have your eyes of the spirit open, you'll just be like, look, it's the message of God. Look, it's the message of God. And some people think I'm wild. I used to think I was crazy, but then I started taking pictures of the things that I was seeing. So now I have this massive collection. People are like, you really do see the word of God everywhere. I'm like, yo, for real. I could be talking to God about something and I'll be on the highway and a truck. I just have it so many times. It's kind of scary because it's like you're having a conversation and then a truck drives by and it's written right on the truck where you just said. And I'm like, oh my God, how? Or I'm talking about something and a person walks by and it's on their shirt. Or you turn on the TV and it's there. And, it, and, and then all of a sudden you're like, weird. I never saw it like this before. And I can't escape his presence. His presence is really all around us. And his word is speaking. The Bible says that nature itself is giving an account. What is to give an account? It's not to go accounting or count numbers. To give an account is to tell a story. It's to tell a story in scriptures. All the, all the prophets, all the poets, all the writers in scriptures, they, they saw it. They're like, oh, look. Look at the lilies in the valley. And look at the birds. They don't work. They don't toil. And yet they eat every day. Are they worried? No, they're not. And all of a sudden, the truth of God just begins to come right in. Right? And it's almost like, whoa. It's already happening, by the way. It's almost like, you feel the peace? It's almost like you just start speaking the word of God in its true turn, a true tone. I was raised Pentecostal. Pentecostals have a fire. And I'm not shaming their fire. I love Pentecostal fire. I still got that Pentecostal fire. Let me tell you. I will speak in tongues. 
and you don't even know I'm speaking in tongues. And I love speaking in tongues. I believe in shouting when it's time for shout. I believe it. I also believe in the, in the way the Baptists do it, and they're quiet and mellow, and I believe in the stillness of God, and I believe in the expression of worship, and I believe in dancing, and I, and I believe in the symphony. People don't think there's a symphony in heaven. He took me there. Oh, and there's a symphony in heaven. And when you read Psalm 150, Psalm 147, 148, 149, you'll see that they're speaking of the symphonic uh, ensemble. And he's like, yeah, the instruments and the flutes and the trumpets. And then you'll realize it's not a law on earth, but it's a law of heaven. In heaven, everybody worships. In, every, in heaven, everybody lives in peace. In heaven, in heaven, there's no enemies. Everybody's your brother and your sister in heaven. In heaven, you could just come over, right? In heaven, you bless. Uh-oh, I got flowers in the garden of flowers, and I'm bringing you flowers. I, it, 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 I promise you, in heaven, everybody says hello. I went to heaven one time, and it was a field of laborers in a field, and these two angels were walking me, and they all turned around. And you know when you go to a stadium and they do the wave? They did that. <laughs> They did that, but it was like with a hello. It was like, hello, 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 hello. And I was just like, hello, 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 hello. And everybody in the field was waving at me. And I'm like, they all know me? <laughs> How do they all know me? But in heaven, everybody knows you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, right? And on that day, it says, and you know just like you are known. That's what it says. Now we look through a foggy mirror. See, when you look through a foggy mirror, it's not clear. You can't really see your identity. You know, when you take a shower and then the whole bathroom is foggy, you have to kind of like wipe it down and it's still wet. And you, you kind of like see yourself distorted. Well, that's how we see ourselves now. We see ourselves distorted. But the day is coming when we won't be looking through the foggy mirror anymore. And what we're now, we're going to know just like we are known because heaven knows every single one of you that's why every single time you went to god and you were trying to talk to god about your your sin and your struggle and your mess up has god ever spoken to you about it or he just spoke something else he was like yeah i'm taking you to all the nations you're my prophet i remember all the times i used to go to god and be like well my sin and my struggle i need you to deliver me from this he's like you're my prophet and i'm taking you to the nations of the world why are you not talking to me about what I'm talking about? I thought I was either crazy or God was crazy. It never made sense. Every time I went to church, I'm fasting. Lord, I need you to change this. Thus says the Lord. And I'll be fasting and praying. God, I have this struggle. I have this issue. And a prophet will come. Thus says the Lord. You're my prophet. And you will go to the nation and you will tell the world about my goodness. What? What are you talking about? What I'm trying to tell you is how messed up I am. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to tell you how good I am. Anybody ever went through that type of dilemma? Or was it just me? You went to God, and he just spoke about something else. Like, I'm homeless, and um, yeah, well, in your room, I prepared a table, and there's a desk, and, there's, and you're like, what? Lord, I'm broke, yeah, there's this career I have for you. What? Like, why are you not talking about my problem? Because he's like, I don't talk about problems. I talk about solutions. I don't talk about darkness. I talk about light. And we constantly keep coming to God talking about our darkness. And God is constantly coming to us, talking to us about his light. And it almost seems confusing. 
there's just two different perspectives. We are still in that perspective of pain and brokenness. And yet God is in the perspective of wholeness and blessing and peace. And then when you start getting that, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> now I get it. There's, I mean, last night I was feeling discouraged. I went to bed. I was feeling discouraged. I was feeling like I should just give up. I don't know why. All these voices, give up, quit, run away, forget about everything. And then I wake up and I have a text message on my phone. And it says, you're doing such a good job. And the Lord wants you to do know that you are such a great example. And I'm like, how do you do that? Because it's God. Because he didn't call us to quit. He began a good work in us. And he's faithful to complete it. He wants us to just persevere through that. And he wants us to learn his voice. So it's like what I was saying earlier. I was raised in that Pentecostal fire. So everything was shouted. Everything was like. Thus says the Lord, ha, 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 cha, ha, ha, right or wrong? Everything had just this tone. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, you know, and it's just like, it just, it just didn't, it didn't click. It seemed God like God was scary. I remember reading Isaiah like that. And it, all I could get was laws. And then I remember when my mom was going through cancer, there was this one day, I was reading Psalm 23. And he goes, I was like, the Lord is my shadow. Ah, shall I want? Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear. Because that's how we read it. Because that's what culture teaches us, right or wrong? Am I lying? I'm not lying. I'm a lion. <laughs> Lions don't lie. <laughs> Lions roar. <laughs> and, I know. <laughs> and uh, Jesus showed up. And he goes, what are you doing? I'm like reading the word. He goes, like that? I was like, like what? He's like, with that tone? And I'm like, what's wrong with the tone, right? And he goes, is that how I talk to you? I'm like, no. He goes, how do I talk to you? And I remember I recited Psalm Jeremiah 29, 11 because it's one of the verses that always ministered to me, even when I was in the world. And he goes, how do I talk to you? And I said, for I know the plans that I have for you. And they're not plans to harm you. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. They're plans to bless you. And he looked at me. He goes, now read my word like that. And I began to read the word like that. And I was like, whoa, no, no, no way. That's there? This whole time? He goes, the whole time. The whole time that was there? This was Psalm 23 the whole time? I read Psalm 23 and I went into Psalm 23. You ever read the Bible and went into the Bible? What are you talking about, Abraham? You ever read a scripture and you just, and he was speaking to you? He could take you there. I'm telling you, I read the Bible so many times and then I wasn't home and I was in this other realm. That's what David said. He's like, you lead me through green pastures and still waters. You ever, you ever read green pastures and still waters and then looked around and you were at green pastures and still waters? And then you're like, whoa, how did that just happen? It began to happen to me. I'm like, ooh, guys, can, can we just read the Bible? <laughs> People are like, why do you want to read the Bible? Can I show you? <laughs> and then you could start experiencing the Father. You see, the, the Word is like love letters that are written because He loves these kids. And He says so many beautiful things in His Word. 
You know, in religion, they teach us the law. You better do this. You better do that. You better, you better, you better, you better. But who wants to? It's when you discover the sweetness. It's the ones that seek him. He says, you'll seek me and you'll find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find them. Keep going. You don't have to stop. Even when you think you can't find him, keep seeking. Because you're going to find them. And it's going to blow your mind away. <laughs> it's, like, it's like playing hide and seek with dad. The point is not to hide and not be found. The point to play hide and seek when you play with a little child is that the child finds you, right? So you leave a trail to your child because they're so little, you know they can't find you if you hit really well. So you'll hit behind, you'll hide behind the curtain, but you'll leave, leave your feet sticking from out under. Or if you hide in the closet, you leave it just open enough so it can click in their mind. They might be in there. And, and you see, the Lord is playing hide and seek with you because he wants you to seek him. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. He says, cry out to me and I will answer. And I'm going to show you great and mighty things you don't know, young lady. I'm going to show them to you. That's how he is. I promise. He's a good father. He loves these kids. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son so we can have access. Romans chapter 8 says, for I have not given you a spirit or religious duty so you would fear that you're not good enough. I have given you my spirit, my friend the comforter your friend and he leads you to all truth and you know what's the truth he gave you his spirit so you could cry out abba daddy like you're gonna see god you're not gonna be like god you're gonna the day you see god you know what's gonna come out of your mouth daddy that's what you're gonna shout you're gonna run to him you're not gonna come into the kingdom of heaven like you're distant and like he's gonna blast you and pulverize you nah it's going to be the father running to his little child. Come home. And he's going to pick you up in his arms. And he's going to show you everything in the kingdom he's prepared for you. He's going to be like, let me show you your room. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus said, in my father's house, there's many rooms. And I've gone to prepare a place for you. So where I'm at, you could be also. Where the orphans we're the ones that were forgotten. We're the ones that were abandoned. That's why he loves the widows. That's why he loves the orphans. Because he's the one that supplies those needs. He's such a good father. And I think in this generation, I believe with my whole heart, that this generation is starting to experience the father. I think we're so chosen for this time and this age. You're here today to know that daddy loves you. And that nothing and no one is ever going to separate you from his love. And that you're not going to change God's mind. You could come with all your excuses. You could come and tell God, I'm dirty. I'm filthy. I'm not holy enough. And I don't pray enough. I'm not righteous enough. And you know what he's going to tell you? I want to touch you. Can I touch you? With all your excuses. With all your shame. With all your insecurities. And with all your doubts. Can I touch you? Can I raise you up? And can I show you a way you didn't know before? Can I be the breath of fresh air you need? He did it with me. I'm telling you, I love my daddy. 
I mess up all the time. I still got issues right here. But right here, right here, my heart is captivated to the voice of my Father. And that is who the Word is. He's a person. The Word is not a book. It's not a word. Like for us, a word is like it, cat, dog, sofa. That's a word. We look in the dictionary looking for words. But that's in the spirit realm. Word is a living being. The word is a king. When you go into the kingdom of heaven, it's the kingdom of word. I don't know how that even happens, but word is a person. It's just like, like righteousness is a breastplate. And truth is a belt. And peace are boots that you wear. I promise. All you got to do is go in the spirit realm. You're going to be like, what? You wear love? When you go to heaven, you wear love as a garment. I promise. I've seen it. And it's like, how awesome is this? It's a world of, heaven is the, the place of impossibilities where they're all possible. The things we can't do on earth, like walk through pearls. In heaven, we get to do that. In heaven, we get to walk through, we get to jump in the water and swim. And it's a, it's a, it's a river of diamonds. It's glass. It's beautiful in the harmony that comes from that sound of the moving crystals. It's, it's like chimes and chimes and it doesn't stop. And we can't even think sometimes or how can we just, you know, we go through a good moment right now and then we might go home and be going through chaos. And it's almost like, no, every time I go through something good, something bad happens. So it's hard to imagine a life where it's going to go from glory to glory and better to better to better to better. Like, what is that? I don't know. But I'm dreaming of it, and I'm holding on to it, and I'm hopeful for it. And I know that this God that I can't see and go touch right now, I wish I could, like, I know he's here, but I wish I could, like, you know, like, pinpoint exact spot and, like, attack him and just, like, kiss him and hold him. And, you know, I think he'll get jumped right now. He'll be like, oh, we will be so happy. Like, we could just see it. But the day's coming. The day's coming when we're all just going to see him. And we're just going to, like, be in his embrace. And we're going to be we're gonna be kids again. And all things are pure. All things are restored. All things, no more aches, no more pains, no more depression. And that is word. So in Psalm, um, in Psalm 119, it speaks, it says, and don't worry, I'm not going to go through the whole Psalm. <laughs> Some people are like, 119, what? <laughs> we already been here forever. <laughs> We're just practicing for eternity, <laughs> forever. <laughs> I didn't want to give people a heart attack when I said 119. I was like, hold on. Let me go back to earth and tell people. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the whole Bible. <laughs> it's just so funny. I'm just going to read a little bit. But I just want to introduce you a little bit to his, his voice. And his sweetness. And even when you read scripture, take out a, a secret place. Too many people are reading the Bible in anger. Or you just got argued with your husband and you're going to get into the Bible. Oh, no, don't do that. That is the biggest mistake. Because you're going to get that word in anger. And you have to realize this is a powerful word. So if you read it angry, it's going to pull out anger. If you read it in wrath, oh my God, chaos and destruction for the world. 
like I don't know how it happens, but depending on the tone that you have, it manifests through the word. So when you're gonna read the Bible, put a beautiful music like this and go to go to a garden. If you've never read the Bible at the beach or read it in a park, or go to like a beautiful stream of water and put some music and just Lord, I just want your peace as I read the word. Holy Spirit, bring your comfort so when I read the word, I can hear your voice. You will be amazed. I mean, there's things in the Bible, you got to realize something. People are speaking in the Bible, right? So if you're going to read a, a chapter where the Pharaoh was angry, then hey, it's like English class. You got to get into character. But when you read what the Spirit of God is saying, make sure you're in peace. Because if you read it another way, you're going to be like, you see? Because this is what God wants. God's going to destroy the wicked. Yeah, but you're identifying as the wicked, and you're not identifying as a child. Go find the verses about the children. And then you'll find out and see what God says about his children. There's a difference. It's such a difference. And on the ways to happiness, it says Psalm 119, verse 1, it says, you're only truly happy when you walk in total integrity. Walking in the light of God's word. That's what integrity is. Integrity is to walk in the light of the word. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So walk in the lightness. If you're reading it from a dark place, you're trying to fulfill the law through darkness, oh, you're going to hurt. But when you're reading it through light, you're reading it through peace, you're like, oh, you got it. You left the footprints. That's when the Bible says that his word is light, right? His word is a light unto our path. He literally walks. You don't see it in the natural, but he's left footprints for us to follow. And then you just literally stick your feet into his footprints. And then all you got to do is follow. Follow the steps of the Lord. Follow how he does things. And that is the integrity. You're, 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 you're sticking yourself. You're not going to do it your own way. You're going to do it his way. Because your ways are going to fail. But the ways of God don't fail. If he says forgive, it's, it's for your own good. It's not like shame. Even sin. Look, guys. Stop focusing that sin is just an action in your life. The Bible speaks about sin being a verb, which is an action, like two or three times. Not that many times. When the Bible speaks about sin, it's speaking about a spirit. There's a puppet master controlling you. And this puppet master tells you, you're addicted. You're broken. Your life is never going to change. So he keeps lying to you to keep you on his strings. But God wants to set you free. So a lot of people, what a lot of people do is like, I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop this habit. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to stop cheating, right? But you never told the liar or the cheater to leave you alone. So then you stop that behavior, but sin, the person, still comes around and still tells you, hey, and gets you, and all of a sudden you don't do this action. A lot of people do this. A lot of people are like, well, I used to be an addict, and now I'm in church. I'm not an addict no more. No, you're not an addict no more, but you surely are a gossip. You're still sinning. You're just not sinning the way that you used to sin, but you're sinning in a different way. Because you never got rid of the person of sin. You only modified your behavior. And God is not into behavior modification. He is into soul transformation. Who do you belong to? So when you realize 
that sin is a spirit. Just like God is a spirit, sin is a spirit that's taking control of your life because of wounds, because of trauma, because of pain. A lot of people just want people to come to church. Stop doing this. Now you're a Christian. You need to stop, right? It doesn't work like that. You don't just tell yourself to stop a behavior. You got to heal the trauma. People that are into addiction, people that are into sleeping around, people that are into alcoholism is not just because they just pick up a bottle and drink. There is a pain in their soul. There is a brokenness. And what we need to do is heal with that brokenness. Let's go and heal the brokenness. And you'll see that in enough time, that behavior would have been transformed. Because the, I used to be a drug. I used to really be, like, I don't even know. It was 2015 when something happened, and I stopped, right? But I used to try before. I'm going to try. And then I was good for a season, and then the first trial, right? I, I'm not going to sleep around. And then the, the first trial, I'm not going to do this. And then on the first trial, somebody church hurt you, and where were you back? Back at the bar. Back doing what you used to do. Why? Because you modified your behavior. But there wasn't a soul transformation. Because to have a soul transformation is not looking at your action, but it's looking at the spirit that's ruling in your life. It's a puppet master, I'm telling you. It's a human trafficker controlling you. And he doesn't want you to know your identity. He doesn't want you to know how powerful, how beautiful, how anointed and appointed you are. Because if a lot of people are scared of the devil, the devil is scared of you. That's why he is lying to you. All you got to do is watch, like, even in, like, Disney. I know a lot of people are like, witchcraft, witchcraft. I'm like, oh, my God, whoever's pure, all things are pure. Whoever's wicked, all things are wicked. But if you just, like, pay attention. For example, I saw the Little Mermaid this week. I, I redeem everything through the blood of Jesus. She was with her father. She had a voice. What was the witch after? Ursula represents Satan. I'm like, oh my God, it's Satan. And she, he, he wants, you know, when the devil sees you having a trial with God and you're in a place where you don't understand your father, the devil's always going to come in, okay? And the devil's going to want to make a deal with you. He said, well, you can have it this way. God's not giving it to you that way. I could give it to you this way. And then all of a sudden, the devil wants to make a deal with you. But remember, when you give the devil a finger, he's taking your arm. Oh, yeah, uh, I'll give you a husband, Ariel. Ariel means lioness. She's a lion, okay? But the serpent comes to deceive. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And all of a sudden, she makes a contract with her own life. And But what is the enemy after? Her voice. And after her soul. Cause she, and then she goes, oh, because after three days, she's mine. I was like, oh, my God, three days? I was seeing everything in the movie, prophetic. I was like, three days, three days that Jesus was in the grave, and he resurrected. He took his, his, her place right there. He took our place in, in death. The enemy meant to kill us, but God stood in the place. God said in Genesis chapter 15, he told Abraham, do not fear, Abraham, for I am your shield. God gets in front of the enemy for you. The enemy has fiery darts to kill you, but God is standing in the way for you with his hands extended wide open like you're not going to touch my child. And it was beautiful because even in The Little Mermaid, the father lays down his life for his daughter. 
and he died so she can live. And it was, I saw the love of the Father. I'm over here crying. I'm like, oh my God, the love of the Father. All the Christians are like, how dare you watch that movie full of witchcraft with Disney's of the devil. I'm like, shut up. To whoever is pure, all things are pure. You'll see, you'll see it. You'll see the beauty. We just went on Thursday to see Annie, a musical. Some Christians are like, why are you going to go to a musical? Jesus Christ, help me. Depart from me, ye Satan. Like, and yet in the movie Annie, never seen it before. In the musical, I'm like, it's the love of the father. She is an orphan and her friends are orphans. And the lady that has them bound, she has them bound. She uses them as slaves. Scrub the floor. What a hard knock life for us. That's what they're singing. I literally look up the words. Instead of being treated, we get kicked. Instead of being no, instead of being treated, we get whatever. We get tripped. Instead of being um, kissed, we get kicked. Isn't that been our lives? The devil stomping on us. The devil's telling us, you don't have a father. You don't have a mother. But yet when you go to Psalm 27, the Lord says, even if your mother and your father were to leave you, I'm going to raise you up. Doesn't that sound like an adoption contract? In Isaiah chapter 49, it's the Lord says, can a mother that has breastfed her child, birthed her child, can she leave her child? Some people will say, well, no, because I had a good mother. Or no, because I'm a good mother. But some of us got abandoned by our mother. So the answer would be, can a mother uh, that breastfed her child, that took care of her child, can she abandon her child? There is a possibility that your mother could abandon you. You might mess up so bad that your mother might just say, I'm done with you. But the Lord says, and even if she does, even if your mother gives up on you, I will never forget you. Look, I've engraved you in the palms of my hand. That's Isaiah chapter 49. So I'm seeing that movie and I'm like, oh my God, Annie's the orphan. And then she's like, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow. I thought she was telling somebody she was going to love them tomorrow. That's what I always thought. No, she was telling tomorrow, the day, tomorrow, I love you. Like my future, I love my future. I know I'm in a broken place right now, but God gave me a word. I love my tomorrow. I know I can't see it, but God said I'm going to the other side. God said I'm going to the promise, so I love my tomorrow. I love my future. I love my destiny. There is a mansion in heaven. There are streets of gold that God's prepared for me. I love my tomorrow. My tomorrow is wonderful. My today looks hurting. My today looks broken, but my tomorrow is beautiful. And she said it. She's like, you got to hold on until tomorrow. you got to believe till tomorrow. Morning endures through the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? You're mourning, you're sad, sorrow, weeping endures through the night. You've been crying, you've been suffering, but joy comes tomorrow. When the sun rises, the sun will rise. Even in the sign, it says the sun will rise, right? In the Annie, and then on the top, I was like, Look, it's the new Jerusalem behind her picture. I literally see it. If you look at the billboard, it's the little girl like this. And then it's like a golden city behind it. And it says, the sun will rise. And I'm like, it's us. I just see everything through the lens of Jesus. And then he adopts, and they try to take advantage. And he's willing to pay a price so she can find her parents. But her parents were dead. But he still adopts her. And he still built a room for her in his mansion. And I was like, oh my God, this is what Jesus was talking about. In my father's house, there's many rooms and I've gone to prepare a place for you. So where I am at, you could be also. Because we're orphans. So he prepared a house for us. There's a room for us in the father's house. 
And we're not going to be orphans. And it's so beautiful because then she's dressed in red. She comes out in her beautiful dress in red. I'm like, oh, she's dressed in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And she's running up and down the stairs. And not only does she get saved, at the end of the movie, the enemies exposed. The three enemies, the evil lady, her brother and the other girlfriend that were trying to take advantage of Annie's brokenness and their plan was to take her money and then kill her and get rid of her. But not only does Annie get saved, all her friends, all her friends get saved too and they all get adopted and they all end up with a father. So you see, I preach. I might be Annie in this story. I don't care. I'll be Annie. But I preach, you know why? Because I know my father's good. And I know that my father is not a respecter of person. And the good work he began in me, he's able to complete it and he will complete it. But I also know that the good work my father began in you, he is faithful to complete it in you. And you're not going to remain as an orphan. You're not going to remain forgotten. You're not going to remain broken because he already started a good work. And there's an ending to your story. And the ending to your story is glorious. And that's why the Word of God is beautiful. If you were to read the Word of God to simply discover what He says about you as His child, to see how through generation and generation and generation, He's literally been calling His people Israel. He's been calling the princes. He didn't call them robbers. Israel were the children of Jacob. He began as a liar. He began as a thief. But God called him a prince. And this whole time, God's been saying, my people, my people, Israel, how I've longed to gather you in my arms the same way that a chicken gathers her little chicks under her wings. I've been longing to hold you. But people can't believe that he's God. We believe the lies and the traditions of man and we think it's by our mind. We think it's by our effort. But the Lord says it's not by mind and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. It is my spirit that is leading you to the truth that you are my child. That I love you. It is my spirit trying to reveal to you that you are a holy nation. The devil keeps telling you you're not holy. I see holiness. I see righteousness. I see peace. You are a holy nation. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And you've been chosen to announce the virtues of the one. You are chosen. It's just a bully. It's just a liar. It's just the deceiver. Remember Simba and Scar's lying to him? We, we got to do this because people need to understand Scripture. The devil comes like Scar to lie to you. He says, run away. It's your fault Jesus died. It's your fault this. It's your fault every. Go away. Go hang out with your friends. Go party. Forget about what God has for you. But there is a kingdom still waiting for that prince. There is a kingdom still waiting for that queen. And God wants you to take your place. The story doesn't end until you take your place. You go, the story's going to be right there until you realize, remember Simba. I'm just Rafiki. I'm just a crazy monkey trying to remind you of your destiny. Rafiki was a prophet. Go watch Lion King tonight. And tell me Rafiki ain't a prophet. He's like, Santa squash banana. He, 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 he's freaking speaking in tongues. He's, I'm like, he's full of the joy. He's full of the joy. Watch it. Go to the waters. 
Go to the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to remind you who you really are. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Stop wandering around in the desert places when there is a kingdom, there is a table, there is a robe, there is a crown that's been prepared for you. Remember who you are remember your destiny and this is a spirit word I am not speaking to your mind I'm speaking to your spirits I am a prophet and I'm speaking to bones right now but the bones shall arise and I'm not saying you're bone there might be some situations in your life that you think you're dead and God says there's a garden arising in that grave there's a garden in this situation you think you're bound in this situation you think there's hopelessness in this situation and the Lord says no there is a great treasure in this earthen vessel and there's something beautiful the enemy doesn't want you to discover even in your pain even in your shackles even in your prisons there is deliverance there is a testimony that the angels of God, the messengers of God are going to come into your situation and speak a word of life and transformation so you could enter your destiny because you are a royal priesthood. You are a king. That's why he's called the king of kings. You are a lord and that's why he's called the lord of lords because he reigns over lords. He reigns over kings. It's the only kingdom composed of only kings. There's no peasants in the, king, uh, in the kingdom of heaven. There's no peasants. Everybody in this beautiful kingdom wears a crown. You'll see. It's a kingdom of kings. All the children are kings. I'm telling you. We all walk around with our crown. There's nothing else in the kingdom of heaven but kings. Watch. Wait until you get there. You might be a baker, but you're a baker king. You might be a candlestick maker, but you're a candlestick maker king, okay? You might be a garden lady in heaven, but you're a light, garden lady queen. Everybody has a crown in the kingdom of heaven. And he's our king. He's our dad over us. So when you read the scripture, discover the sweetness. That's why he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's why that old song says, the, the old sense, your, your word is like honey to my lips, right? It's like honey. I remember one time God take, took me to heaven and he spoke his word and honey just started gushing out of my mouth. And he gave me to eat his bread. And it was like instead of a jelly cream donut, it was honey filled bread. And I remember honey, honey was everywhere. Like honey was gushing. And I was weeping because I was like, how can I taste your word? And I remember the honey was dripping on my fingers. And I'm just like, it's so good, but how? I didn't understand how a word could be tasted. But in heaven, I was tasting it. And I was weeping and I was crying. And I got to see that the Lord was good. So I just want to encourage you guys. I pray that this word blesses you. It encourages you to take that secret time, not out of the I'm not going to tell you, you better pray. You better read the word. Read it if you want and don't read it if you don't want to. It's your choice. But I'm letting you know how good it is. You see, it's an invitation. An invitation can never be manipulation. And an invitation can never be obligation. It's an invitation. Are you hungry? Come. Are you thirsty? Come. He never said shame on you for not coming. That's the voice of the enemy. That will never be the voice of the Father. 
he's never going to say, well, how dare you? I prepared bread and you wouldn't eat it. No, that sounds like the wicked stepmother, not like the loving father. I'll oh, see the loving father, even when the son says, dad, I don't want to be in your home no more. Can you give me my portion so I could go? It hurts the father's heart, but the father's not going to manipulate his child to stay. The father's going to let his child go, but his father's going to pray. And his father's going to be looking from his balcony. I know, I know. His, I know my son's going to come home one day. And he had to patiently wait. But when he saw the shadow at the distance of his son, what does the Bible say? When the father at the distance saw his son, you know what it says? He said he ran. The father ran. I see my son. The son was far away, but he saw his son, and he comes running for his son. The father's going to wait. He said, hey, if you're hungry, there's a feast. Are you thirsty? There's water and there's wine. You don't believe me, Isaiah 55, read it. And you'll see that the Lord's prepared a feast. And he's going to give you advice, but he's never going to manipulate you. He gave you free will to choose. But it doesn't mean he's not looking from his throne, waiting for the moment that your heart changes, waiting for the moment that you repent. You say, oh, even the pigs, even the servants in my father's house eat better than this. I might as well go home. The day was going to come where your kids are coming back. Watch. Stop breaking your head. I don't know. This is some parenting here. Stop breaking your head for your kids that are not home. The day's coming. They're coming. You see, there's a season, there's a moment, their heart's going to be like, even the servants in my mom's house are doing better than this. Let me go back home. It happens. Let the seasons come. Let the heart shift. Let the change happen. And then when they come back home, they're going to be so grateful. Mom, I understand why you were tough. I understand why you were teaching me this. I understand why you told me now. I take care of my parents now. Years ago, I left home. I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to forget you guys. But God worked in my heart. And now I'm their caretaker. And now I do understand. Not that they did everything right. They didn't, but they didn't do everything wrong either. But I could understand now that I'm a grown man, I'm almost 45 years old, and the way that I carry my life, the way that I carry my chores, the way that I carry my bills, the way that I even carry this church. Ask some of the members if I don't come in here and be like, clean this, clean that, fix this, fix that. I don't like this. I send them pictures, right, guys? You could say it. I send my people pictures. I'll be like, this is how I want the altar fixed, restored, and put back together when church is over. And this is how the bathroom should look. And this is how the coffee table should look, right or wrong. You could say it. Right, I sent pictures? Uh-huh. Guess who I got that from? My father. And you come to my house. Is my house organized or not organized? My house organized. Because my father taught me something. When I was young, I didn't get it. So don't you get tired of correcting your child. Don't you get tired of the discipline. Don't you get tired of standing firm. God gave you that for a reason. Because God is also faithful. And when God says no, it's no. And there's nobody that's going to change his mind. And when God says yes, it's yes. And he doesn't want us to be double-minded. He wants us to be like him. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's a lot to learn. I'm going to stop. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. 
We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.